0: 14,000 BTUs. That stupid air conditioner is listed as having 14,000 BTUs. You can hear it in the background. You don't even need the mic. You can probably hear it from wherever you are, just in the air. <clears throat> 14,000 BTUs, and my room is 84 degrees it was 94, so we got we dropped 10 degrees. But 14,000 BTUs? I should be able to hang sides of beef on hooks in here. I should be able to just store ice cream. But instead, it's 84 degrees. Hello, and welcome to the Heart of Markness podcast. This is episode something. What episode is it? 57! Episode 57 of the Heart of Markness Podcast. I am Mark. It is hot today in Portland, Oregon. 90 degrees. And if you are one of those people who likes the heat, you are not invited to my birthday party. I do not like the heat. You long-time listeners know my room is hot. And I almost... I almost caved and bought a new air conditioner. A window unit, not one of these little R2DTs with the hose that sticks out the window. <clears throat> but I was so put off by the fact that if this thing is 14,000 BTUs and doesn't do shit, what am I supposed to get? Because like my budget is for like five, maybe 6,000 BTUs, which mathematically should cool this room. Now, this is a big-sized room. I have the entire upstairs. It's like 20 by 20. Really nice. Hardwood floors. It's it's nice. But it's hot as fuck. It's an old house. And the ceiling, as I touch the ceiling on the asbestos-laden tiles, they're warm to the touch because the area between my ceiling and the roof is an un. Ventilated hot box. What does this have to do with my podcast? Nothing. I'm bitching. It's warm out. <clears throat> you're going to hear me bitching. But I will soldier on. Hi, everybody. Well, since our last podcast, I have done a couple of podcasts. I've done the Patreon one for May, which, if you're a patron, you've heard. If you're not a patron, you will never hear. And that's okay. If you do want to be a patron, go to Patreon slash Heart of Markness. Good news is, they're starting to collect sales tax now on uh, the payments, so yay for that. But uh, the other one I did was a bonus quarantine episode for the uh, dealing with the turn my level down a bit here. It's a little hot. There we go. <clears throat> For the, From the uh, Worcester Centrum 1988 Jimmy Page Outrider show. Uh, a show which I attended. I got a tape of it. Much or, uh, Not a tape. A digital copy. Of the, a very very good recording of the show. And from the cuts in the tape, it's actually the same it's off the same master of the shitty, shitty normal bias tape that I bought in a subway station 32 years ago. But it's a much lower generation transfer, and it is good, and I like it. And I actually did an episode, the bonus quarantine episode, about this last week and was so enthused that um, and had such a positive reaction. Lots and lots of people on myriad social media platforms reached out to express their joy in this show because excuse me, just got a little frog in my throat the Outrider Tour is excellent excellent, and it's not something that people really think about they kind of like think, Jimmy Page Led Zeppelin, The Firm Coverdale Page Plant Page and you know, the Outrider Tour is the high watermark of Jimmy in the 80s he is all the way back he has something to prove, and he knows he has something to prove because the firm he did not prove himself it was good I mean it's a good band and as i as I ranted in the last podcast, which you should listen to if you haven't listened to the bonus quarantine episode, you should listen to that because it has some really great songs it has a lot of zeppelin songs that he played, and it it's it's a uh, <clears throat> It goes hand-in-hand hand with this episode. Listen to both of them together, you'll hear most of the show. And it's all good. Except for Wanna Make Love to You. That song, I just... It's even live, it's its not that impressive. But the rest of it, oh my god, it is good. So, this is October 29th, 1988. I've already told the story, um, both on my old podcast about the Outrider tour, and also in last week's... Uh, last week's episode about how I went to this show. Got front row on the bass side. It was really cool. My friend and I threw a bunch of guitar picks on the stage so that when Jimmy came over to our side of the stage during his uh, dazed and confused bit, um, he actually picked up one of our picks and played with it, which is amazing. So, that's it in a nutshell. If you want to hear it with more oomph and gusto and drawn on a little bit more, again, listen to the prior episode of this podcast, But we have a lot to listen to tonight because this show is great. The tour is great, and this show is great, and the crowd is great. It's uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, which is essentially Metro Boston, Boston Metro, and Boston and that area of New England, where I grew up, <clears throat> is a rock and roll town. Deep Purple played their reunion show there. They sold out, played at it, added another night in 1985 that was a great show oh my god I wish I had a copy of that but anyway Jimmy came out um Robert Plant was playing the same venue the Worcester Centrum the next night which would be October 30th on his uh non-stop go now in Zen Tour where he had his little midlife crisis band of young 20-somethings that know nothing about the blues and his drummer playing the drums standing up the digital digital stupid fucking drums and uh can you tell how I feel about it? And Jimmy and Robert was at this show. Unfortunately, he did not come out. I was hoping, hoping, hoping that he would come out and jam. But uh, no, no dice. I did see him briefly behind the bass stack, only because John Miles, who was singing for this tour uh, during Over the Hills and Far Away, turned around and gave a little bow, and I was like, what, "Who the fuck is he bowing to?" And then I looked and I saw the, I saw the locks, the golden mane. I was like, "Holy fuck! It's Robert Plant. It's really gonna happen!" But again, no. No, they decided to uh, fuck me over again. Because, yes, I took it personally. Wouldn't you? But enough of my heat stroke ravings. Let us jump right into this. I am going to start with the very first song, which also includes the audience. And the audience, the, the Rider tour is magical. And they're all the shows are. I haven't heard a bad one. This one, I don't know if it's a little bit better because I was there and I have the nostalgia and the holy shit. One of the people yelling in that crowd is me. Or if Jimmy just bumped it up a notch because um, Robert was there and, you know, you got to show off for the home team. Kind of show him what he's missing out on. But in any case, it's very, very good. The crowd is loud and 100% 100% in awe and worship and appreciation of Jimmy Page. And it's evident because they're just, they're, we're all celebrating the Death Wish songs, the Firm songs, and the Zeppelin songs. And not many people knew he was doing Zeppelin again. Because, I mean, there was no internet. There was a little bit on MTV, but, I mean, when he played Over the Hills and Far Away, the place went bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S. But they also want bananas for everything he did because everything he did was awesome. Which, I mean, think about being a fan in 1988. You're standing in 1988, and you're looking at yourself in the mirror in like a moment of clarity. And you have to ask yourself, when was the last time that I could honestly say that Jimmy Page was Amazing. Not that, oh, he played that song really well, or as it became in 1980, oh, he played that solo, or worse, that phrase, well. No. This is start to finish a rollicking show where he is coming out knowing that this is make or break. Knowing that he's either going to just be a Rick Derringer level tier two solo artist or he's going to come out and he is going to kick ass and take names and he came out and he kicked ass and take took names and it was great he was playing fluidly expertly no bum notes not hiding behind effects no flange no chorus everything he wanted to play he played and it was tight and I didn't appreciate Jason Bonham, who was his drummer on this tour. The The band was Jason Bonham on drums, Durbin Lanverde on bass, and John Miles on vocals. And um, I didn't appreciate Jason because I didn't like the sound of his drums. He had a drum workshop kick that just kind of sounded like... It didn't sound like drums. I mean, Chris Slade in The Firm sounded like drums. But, um, and I was also just a cocky, arrogant, know it all piece of shit. 20 year old asshole at that time. So, who knows? But, listening to this, one of the reasons that these songs are great, even the firm songs, even the songs that, like, you know, Who's to Blame? It's a good song, but it's not like, oh my god, I hope he plays Who's to Blame. The reason that's good is because. Jason is there, and he, being a Zeppelin fanatic and having that whole dad thing of wanting to fill his dad's shoes, earn his dad's approval, you know, that whole father quest issue, which is very sad. It's also nice that Jimmy shepherded his career, and, you know, uh, Virginia Woolf, which was one of Jason's early bands, opened for the firm. I think they opened the first time I saw them in 85 I'm not sure. And they were just Hair Pop, you know, waiting waiting for your love. That that was them. And he brought him along on the road, and then he had him as his drummer at like 22, 23 years old. And uh Jason did ad- admirably well. And what he does well is he follows Jimmy and he underpins whatever Jimmy's doing, and he responds to it, just like his dad did. And you can hear that um, in, the, in the last podcast, you can hear that in Stairway to Heaven. When, you know, Jimmy's doing a... The At the very end, Jason is right there with him, with the double bass, and it's just... But he's there, and he's, he's punching it in the same way Jimmy is, and it elevates it. And you're going to hear this, hopefully, when you listen to tonight's stuff, you're going to hear why Jason is really a good drummer and why this tour is so good. It's not only that Jimmy's playing great. I mean, that is obviously the number one reason. But he's coming out, and he has a plan to... uh, This is a retrospective of his career. You know, As he says, I think he says at the beginning, he's playing stuff from the Yardbirds, from Zeppelin... Death Wish, The Firm, and Outrider. And the only thing he plays from the Yardbirds is Train Kept a Rollin', and it's at the end, and I'm not even playing it because it's Train Kept a Rollin'. But um, he comes out, and you're going to hear this when I play this. You're going to hear the crowd noise. You're going to hear him come out, and everybody lose their mind. And he talks to the crowd. He's the MC, which is both good and bad because his voice does not project very well. And even on this low-generation tape, it's not always distinct because the crowd's like, Rah! But he comes out and he just does this whole thing. And, you know, I, I said it in the last podcast, so it's redundant. But he comes out in all this sunglasses, scarf, jacket, rings with a, with a bottle in his hand. And he, he comes out and then he just takes all that shit off as he introduces himself. And, I mean, Jimmy doesn't talk. I mean, he talked in the 1980 tour. He introduced Black Dog. But who knew that in 1988? Nobody except maybe eight people in that whole crowd, maybe. And that crowd is like 15,000 folks. Um, I don't know if it was sold out. I don't think it was sold out, but it was, you know, 85, 90% full, as I remember. And uh, it was just amazing. It was amazing to see him come out in command of his instrument. It was, he came out, he was dressed well. I mean, he sweated like a fucking monster. He sweated like Nebworth. So he didn't look great for very long. But he played amazingly. And he was playing a Les Paul again as his main instrument. Not that fucking brown telecaster with the b bender Hey, I like that. Do you? Good for you. But okay. So enough of that. Let's get started, shall we? This is Who's to Blame? And you're going to hear, hopefully, be able to make out his introduction. And he's so cool because he's like, he says all this shit. You ready for us? We're ready for you. Hello, Worcester, all that rock and roll stuff. And then he says, but first I want to introduce you to my mistress. And he puts his guitar on and just starts who's to blame. And it is so good and so cool. And it was so cool to see, especially from the front row. Granted, I was on the bass player's side, but Jimmy was right there. And oh, Jesus, you're going to like this. I really think you're going to like this. Don't worry, I'll go back to Led Zeppelin next week, but you got to hear this. All right? All right. I'll see you in like five minutes. was good. Did you hear the crowd? Now, it was not the greatest song of the night. It was not his greatest performance. And the first song, you've always got the mixing desk getting the levels and shit. But that was Jimmy playing his Les Paul with a B-Bender, which is a much more substantial guitar with a lot more oomph. Because the B-Bender takes out like a third or maybe a quarter, but a, a, a significant amount of the mass of the guitar body because it's attached to uh, the B Bender thing. First of all, it's attached to the strap locks on the guitar where you literally attach the guitar straps and each one, the one up uh, on the left and the one on the right, you can push down. That's why he does the little shoulder shimmies and stuff. Cause as you push down on the guitar, you move the strap lock and it's on a little lever and it's on a little lever, which is on a little knob that twists the knob of the that twists, the B string, which is attached to the little circle. If you look at Jimmy's uh, Botswana Brown Telecaster, you can see the little looks like a little silver disc of metal on the bridge of the guitar where pushing on the guitar strap or pushing on the guitar body moves the strap lock enough to cause that disc to rotate a touch which then increases the tension of the string, thereby raising the note. So it goes, whew. Now the uh, purpose of that is to sound a little country, so you can get a little country twang going, like hot dog. And Jimmy really took to it, obviously, and uh, decided that was how he was going to rebrand himself in the 80s after Zeppelin, back during that horrible time, when uh, laudably, I guess... Everybody decided they're not going to play Zeppelin songs and they're all going to go out with their own material. And Jimmy went out with The Firm. And Robert went out with two back-to-back, not-very-bad-at-all solo albums that were incredibly successful. Pictures at Eleven came out in 82 with uh, Burning Down One Side. Great song. And then Principle of Moments came out, and Jesus Christ, almost every song on that was a hit. Eighty-three, it was all Robert Plant. And then the honey drippers? Forget about it. But anyway, why are we talking about Robert Plant? A pox upon him! <laughs> all right, so that was Who's to Blame? And I just wanted you to get the whole vibe of him walking out. You couldn't hear him too well, but you could hear him say, allow me to introduce you to my... Or, but first, I want to introduce you to my mistress. Which is very, very cool. All right, now we're going to play Brace Yourself tear down the walls but Mark isn't that a firm song Uh uh-huh you don't like the firm I don't really like the firm that much that's a decent song and it was I don't know I don't know man you already know how I feel about the firm great band great band on paper Tony Franklin insane bass player Chris Slade really good drummer went on to ACDC and Tony Franklin to Blue Murder and then everything else in the world he's played with everybody and um, just Jimmy and Paul were not a great, were not a great team. It was not a case of one plus one equals three with them. It was the case of two alphas, because it was Jimmy's band, and Bad Company was Paul's band, trying to share leadership. And uh, I don't know, man, didn't do it for me. Didn't do it for me. However, Jimmy's playing of "Tear Down the Walls" is. Awesome. Everything he plays is awesome. And uh, what he did is, for Tear Down the Walls, he opened with about a minute of the the Outriders song, Rites of Winter. Which is... You know, a lot of Outriders sounds exactly like what it is. It sounds like a lot of, of demos that need to be fleshed out with someone who can sing and something that you would present to a band and then they would fill it out. I mean, Jonesy is missing from Outrider. Jonesy is missing from everything that any of the boys have done post Zeppelin. He's the MSG for uh for Led Zeppelin. But with this tour with Jimmy coming out and like determined to prove himself cuz it had been 8 years no, it's been five years that he had been back in the spotlight from the Arms Tour till now when every time he went out on stage... Now, keep in mind, this is five months after the Atlantic Records reunion where he was hammered and he got into a fight with Robert right before they went on stage because Robert's like, you know what? I decided I'm not singing Stairway. And Jimmy's like, you know what? It's my fucking band. I made you. Because Jimmy was hammered. And then the, just, ugh, the 40th anniversary Atlantic show was another disappointment. And that heartbreaker... That heartbreaker was the low point, man. That was the low point. He blew it in front of millions of people again after Live Aid. So he knew he had something to prove. And he proved it. And he was disciplined. And he was in in in, in shape. He was dexterous. And like I said, everything he wanted to play, he played. Like in Who's to Blame? That little... That fast little run that he does. That he has done for like the last... 43 years when he wants to play something fast since he fucked up his tendons. He did that and his soloing in who's to blame is the least impressive of the entire night, but I wanted you to hear it and get warmed up because the crowd was, was amazing, but all right here, here's how it's going to go. It's going to go rights of winter, tear down the walls. They merge right into each other and then we'll come back. Okay. You're going to like this. John Miles sings firm songs really well. He's a um, he sang for the Alan Parsons Project Stereotomy album. And um, he had a solo career in the 70s that I'm not familiar with. But I know Dave Lewis from Type But Loose posted a song of his from like 1975. So he was at least kind of famous, at least in England. And he sung for other people. You don't give a shit. This is a Led Zeppelin podcast. All right. You know what? Let's get to it, shall we? Sorry, guys. It's hot up here, man. Having a hard time with the heat. All right. Let's get to it. And I don't know why I'm so manic. It's because you're wasted, Mark, like you always are. But I'm not. I just got home from work. I had dinner. Had barbecue. Because what's better than uh, being hot and absolutely stuffed to the gills with food? So you're just like, oh, Jesus. not a wise man. Sometimes. Alright, Rights of Winter into Tear Down the Walls, friends, and I will be back shortly. I hope you enjoy it. Once again, Jimmy Page, Worcester Centrum, october twenty ninth, nineteen eighty
1: eight. John Miles. Yeah. On base, we've got our very own tour call one, Mr. Durbin Laverde. Yeah. And joining behind me, the fountain of youth himself, Mr. Jason Mullen.
0: Well, the track listings on that were wrong. It wasn't a minute of Rites of Winter, although the track Rites of Winter is only a minute long. Tear Down the Walls actually contains a whole shitload of Rites of Winter, which is interesting because as I'm hearing it, I'm like, oh yeah, that was good. Jimmy played very, very well. That whole thing was great. My gosh. And Tear Down the Walls, I like that better than The Firm not that the firm didn't do it right or no not that they couldn't do it right but they they didn't listening to live performances of that and I saw the firm in 86 Jimmy's tone didn't have the <clears throat> that this had Jimmy was in more in either either more in command of his instrument on this tour or confident enough to not mask or blur Blur his playing with effects like chorus and flange. But that's none of my business. I'm the nice Kermit the Frog beam sipping tea. But all right, that was good. Now let's move on. There's so much that they play that I want to play you. Well, you're going to have to download the show. Um, I'm going to have this. Actually, it is up on heartofmarkness.com right now. You can download this entire show. And here, things I'm not going to play, like Midnight Moonlight, Prison Blues, In My Time of Dying, Orange playing In My Time of Dying, it's a badass song. It is, but you don't need 10 minutes of Jimmy's slide playing, because you don't have the Oh My God, John Bonham playing, you don't have the Oh My God, Robert's singing, and you don't have the Oh My God, Jonesy's bass playing. It is very good. You're going to enjoy it, but I'm not playing it for you tonight. Sorry. What I am going to play is another song off of Outrider, another instrumental called Emerald Eyes. And it is very good. And, and I remember you're going to hear a point in his playing where uh, it's just a repeating... Of, that he's playing. And as he's doing that, he's uh, there's a female photographer in the pit right in front of us taking pictures of him and um he is he is focused right on her and as he's playing that little bit he is just slithering his hips back and forth and just giving it to her and it's funny because I was 20 and I'm like oh Jimmy you are so foolish because you're an old man at 44 plus he was super sweaty like Nebworth sweaty um Soaked, soaked, soaked. So it's not like it was like ravishing cute Jimmy Page. However, fifty-two-year-old Mark, looking back on it, he uh he had the mojo for sure. And I think one of the pictures that they that, that woman took was in um Oh god, I know the Boston Globe and the Boston Herald had reviews of the show. Both were very favorable. I think the Globes headline was A Genius at Work An amazing review For an amazing show Anyways, we're hearing Jimmy Page playing great guitar So I'm not going to get in the way Because in the 80s there wasn't a lot That, you know, we had to sit through a lot of Not great playing Before we got to the great playing And then he rewarded us Yes, we had to go to grandma's house But he did buy us ice cream afterward So let's have some ice cream, shall we? Emerald Eyes, great, great song, great, great playing, and uh, enjoy, see you in a few minutes. Thank you very
1: much, I was going to tear down the walls, I'd like to play another number for the Hell rider. and it's called Emerald Eyes.
0: so nice to hear jimmy playing so brilliantly and i mean it's a tall order i mean he's not jeff beck jeff beck can come out and play instrumentals all night and just hold you in the palm of his hand because he's perfect and jimmy coming out and doing like a jeff beck kind of set where it's like here are these instrumentals and pulling it off so good this crowd boston crowds are not forgiving they'll support you they love rock and roll but if you fuck up, they will, not, they will not love you as much. You'll hear it. Everybody there is just giving Jimmy... It's the same kind of energy that uh, the band, Zeppelin, brought in the early days before they became Titanic in like 75 and stuff and started performing for the audience instead of kind of performing with the audience. And this is something Jimmy's showing. He's the magic of Led Zeppelin. Robert may be the voice and sing the songs. Lighten up, baby. I'm in love with you. I'm doing a Coca-Cola commercial. Look at me. I'm not 40. I'm still young. And Jimmy comes out and just mops the floor. I had tickets to Robert's show the, the next night. I didn't even go. I didn't even go. There was nothing that Robert could have done that would have matched what I saw and heard this night. Granted, I'm a musician, or I was at that time, and Jimmy, I'm obviously a Jimmy person, but um hearing that non blues band of of young pop musicians playing songs like nobody's fault but mine, no, 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 Jimmy, all the way, and Jimmy delivered he is the, he he brought the magic and that audience interaction, if you hear on the previous podcast. The Stairway to Heaven bit where the whole audience is singing the fucking song. It should be cheesy. It should be like, ugh. But it's not. It was moving. And when you listen to it, it's moving. I actually had somebody contact me having listened to the podcast and was like, you are right. I'm out in the garden and uh, I'm listening to Stairway in the audience. And, I'm, and I, tears in my eyes because it is emotional to have all these people gathered together because this music means something to us and it means something more than like, you know, fog hat means something to people or bad company means something to people or most people. I mean, I'm sure everybody has their own niche, but Zeppelin is something special. And Jimmy brought that to this show. And that was the first time that I saw Jimmy page. Actually, this is my third time of seeing Jimmy page, but the first time that I felt I saw Jimmy and it was so good. It was so good. And what I'm going to play now... This is an odd one for me. This is um, essentially his his solo. It's the Chase from Deathwish. Which also has his bow solo and his laser. Um, but he also plays Dazed and Confused. And it is very good. I mean, it's, it's the whole shtick. It's the laser pyramid and all that stuff. Um... And I usually don't do that. I do that with Zeppelin, Dazed and Confused, because it's Dazed and Confused with Led Zeppelin, and it won me over. And you guys like it. This, like, I would not play you the noise solo and the violin bow, the chase actually, from a firm show. It's it was a visual spectacle. This, this holds its own because he plays Dazed and Confused, and he is killing it. And Jason is right there with him. So, I hope you like this. It's a little bit of a risk. I could have played Midnight Moonlight, and I would have, but um, it cuts out. It doesn't finish, and you got to have that finish because the whole song is a a voyage. It's a journey. But this, this is Jimmy Page at his most, Jimmy Page, and it is so great. So I hope you enjoy it. The bow solo. I hope it translates to audio, and if it doesn't, I apologize. So see you in like 15 minutes. really good was it the best of 1973 good no but it was right up with up there with the best of 75 in my opinion i mean he has some hackneyed things that he keeps using the i mean those are things he does but you know that whole thing held my interest and you know, I am not really a, a dazed, and confused, noise solo, violin bow solo guy at my core. And the crowd went crazy at the end. They were exultant. They weren't like, okay, that's over. Can we get a song now? No. They were woohoo, happy. It's a great show, man. All right, let's wrap this up. Please go to heartofmarkness.com and download this entire show for yourself because, I mean,. On one hand, I feel like this is kind of um, the B side of the prior episode I did because the prior episode has Over the Hills and Far Away and it has Stairway to Heaven and it has, you know, the stuff that I initially wanted everybody to hear because it's like, you have to hear this. But this is all really good and um, you can get this entire show, warts and all, and the warts are on the recording, not on the performance. There's a lot of uh, there's some 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 cuts in the songs, there's some microphone issues, but by and large it's an excellent show, and uh, I was there, so somewhere statistically, in that crowd noise is my voice, which is cool. So thank you. Follow me on Twitter, Heart of Markness. Join our Facebook group, Heart of Markness that's a good group there's there's a lot of folks there now there's a lot of conversations going on there's a lot of back and forth you can meet some good friends get some information if you're new to the Led Zeppelin community there's people that'll help you out I'll help you out however I can and uh, it's good plus I go in there and I'm like hey guys should I do this or this or do you mind if I do this and I, and I get feedback it kind of uh, if you want to be part of the the the, uh, the group the the market research group, that I use for gauging what I'm going to do next. Um, Next, I'm looking at, um, next week, I'm kind of looking at, I think it's Brussels 72. I'm not sure. It's a really, really good show. In fact, I have to go back and find it. Um, Andy Adams, who is a giant... Zeppelin fan and is a huge presence in the Zeppelin community and in the Facebook community. He has thousands, if not tens of thousands of members in his group and I've got like, you know, 60. Um and he's friends with Jimmy Page, which is crazy. But um he he turned me onto this show and I'm going to get some insight from him and he offered his wisdom, which is beautiful. And I think I'm going to do that next week unless uh, I don't make sure the recording is up to snuff quality wise. So, you know, I don't want you guys listening to something that sounds like just a crumpling paper bag from six rooms away, but yes, yes. Heartofmarkness.com for the show and lots of shows. Not every podcast episode has a show that I've got up there, but most of them do. And most of them in the last year do from the last year do. So that's where you can get that. Twitter, Facebook. If you like the podcast and you want to support me, I would deeply appreciate it. Patreon is where you find me, slash Heart of Markness, patreon.com, so slash Heart of Markness. And uh, if you are a patron, you get an extra show every month just for you, which makes you better than everybody. And the people who are supporting this podcast now, the people who help pay for the hosting, who pay for the mega site where I put the shows, who pay for the SoundCloud account where I post the podcasts and the website, etc., cetera, et cetera, who help pay for the microphone with which I'm speaking for you, who are going to help pay piecemeal the computer that I'm building now to replace my 10-year-old laptop, which, you know, isn't going to live forever. And rather than have it die and leave me, you know, stranded, I'm I'm going to build my own computer and uh, have some fun with that. Anyway, if you want to help support that, you can be like the following titans: Avi, Bill, Brad, Danielle, David, other David, Mark, Mimo, Peter, and Tracy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for helping me. Um, for helping me with this podcast and this community, and ever onward. Right. All right, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful week. Be nice to everybody.
1: Be nice to yourself. Wash your hands. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.